Sorry about that. <laughs> I just uh, I just love these testimonies. Uh, we we as uh, elders have the privilege of hearing many of them, and uh, they're all unique, and yet the same. It's God's work. Praise God for that. Our scripture reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter three. We'll be reading verses 21 through 35. Please find your way there and then follow as I read. Proverbs chapter three, verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and direction, discretion, sorry. And they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you now. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Well, I'm wondering how many of you here this morning are ever afraid. Any of you ever afraid? Yeah, I certainly, I certainly am. My question, what's the greatest danger that you face in life? What, what is your biggest fear? Um, maybe you're afraid of a particular sickness or disease. Maybe you are afraid of what people think of you. Maybe you are afraid of failure or losing a job. Maybe you are afraid of heights or flying or being robbed or being in a car accident. Uh, During during my senior year of college, I was a night watchman on our college campus and I would work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And my job was to make sure that the campus was safe at night. Uh, There were no security guards. It was me. And I carried a flashlight and a time stamp clock. Um, I was required to be in the furnace room of a different building every 15 minutes. And in each furnace room, uh, there was a key that was used to put a time stamp on my my time clock. Um, They wanted, I think, to satisfy the insurance company that I was doing my job of watching the building and making sure the campus was okay. 
Well, the furnace room for all of these buildings was always around the back of the building, and normally lighting was horrible. There weren't many lights, at least there weren't lights that were turned on in the back side of these buildings. And um, during this period, period of time, there were repeated burglaries in one of the one of the buildings in particular, and. On one of my nights when I was on duty, I came upon this building. I came around the back side of the building and I saw uh, the door opened up and there was a window broken in the door. And so I went in the building and as I went in the building, I heard the footsteps of a guy one floor up running. And in fact, this guy, this burglar, ran out the front door as I was coming in the back door on one level lower. Um, obviously, when that was taking place, my adrenaline was pumping big time. Um, well, on another occasion, I was going down the steps to a furnace room, and it was in the fall. It was a beautiful campus. There are lots of leaves, and so there were lots of leaves that filled this uh, stairwell. And as I went down these steps full of leaves in the dark of night I get to the bottom of the steps and this cat jumps out I didn't see this cat and it it startled me and it actually ran between my legs and ran up the steps and again um, my my adrenaline was pumping um, what what I'm saying is this is I those are just two examples of how I faced fear and I had to lean on the Lord to handle that fear. I, I also went through a period of time during my college years where, don't laugh, but when I would pass a tractor trailer while driving my 1968 Volkswagen Bug, my mind would start thinking about what would happen to me if I got caught under his wheels. Um, now, maybe the fear was associated with the fact that my back wheel had actually fallen off my bug some months earlier. But anyway, it, it was a real fear of mine for a season. And I was a new Christian, and thankfully it was the Spirit who helped me to overcome that fear. And one of the verses that I remember very distinctly that the spirit used was in our sermon is in our sermon text for today proverbs 325 do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes and it will come for the lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught now make no doubt about it for the wicked there is good reason to fear sudden terror and ruin John 6 John 3:36 says this whoever believes in the son has eternal life whoever does not obey the son shall not see life but the wrath of god remains on him Romans 1:18 says for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth uh, Romans 2 8 says but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey 
unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. This is no little matter. Uh, The wrath of God is real. And I don't tell you this because it's pleasant, but because it's true. But I also want to tell you that for those who believe the gospel, you do not need to fear God's wrath. Romans 5.9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Paul said this about the believers in the city of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, You turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Uh, Paul goes on in chapter 5, verse 9, um, in that same letter, he says, For God did not destine us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we learn that it was God's perfect love for us, demonstrated through the gift of Jesus, dying on the cross in our place, that, that, that gift of love drives out the fear of punishment. God's perfect love, demonstrated in Christ, casts out fear. So for the believer, what is the worst thing that could happen to you? Well, I want you to know it's not death. It's not God's judgment or wrath. Jesus died on the cross so that you will never face God's wrath. He he was raised to life, conquering sin and death, giving believers the promise of eternal life. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 28 through 33. And do not fear those who kill the body but not, cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, You are of much more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So having a proper reverential fear of God, knowing God through Faith in Jesus Christ. That's the antidote for fear of harm or punishment or death. This, this in fact, is the path of wisdom. And I want you to know that the path of wisdom leads to a beautiful life. Uh, Look with me at verse 21. Solomon again here speaks as the wise father to his son, and he does this to appeal to him to walk on the path of wisdom. He says this in verse 21, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Um, have you ever sat at a dinner table 
with young children who needed to eat but were too distracted to eat. Has that ever happened to you? Well, Shelly and I love to have our grandchildren in the home, and they love to have fun. They love to entertain us, uh, so much so that sometimes they never really get around to eating the meal that is in front of them. And then 30 minutes later, we hear, Pops, Mimi, I'm hungry. So Shelly and I have kind of learned that it's important during a mealtime when we have the grandkids to just kind of remind, okay, now's the time to focus. We're going to stay focused. Now's the time to eat. We'll play later, but right now we need to eat. And so we just constantly want to bring kids back to the, what we need to do at that particular moment. That's the idea here when Solomon says, my son, do not lose sight of these. He He's urging his son to stay focused on these two all-important things. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Now, the Hebrew word for sound wisdom here is not Proverbs' typical word for wisdom. The typical word is hakma, which means a God-given skill or ability to make godly choices in life. Instead, the word here speaks of success that results from sound judgment or wisdom it it's a word that points to the good things that wisdom will give and in the second half of verse 22 uh, Solomon does that very thing he says if you keep sound wisdom and discretion there will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck so wisdom will give you life not death Death, death is really ugly. Wisdom will give you a beautiful life, a good life. Now, if you watch the news at all, undoubtedly over the last number of months, you've seen footage of homeless people living on the streets of major cities like San Francisco or Seattle. It's really become an epidemic in many cities. And as I've seen some of these videos, I really have been struck by what I've seen. It's really been quite sobering. And so often what you see are people who are hunched over and they can't even stand up, or people who are collapsed into a a corner, people who are dirty and unkept, people who are even laying unconscious on the street in the middle of the day, and you, you will see people desperately attempting to get another fix of drugs. That, that's a picture that is a picture of what, it's not a good life, it's not a beautiful life. That is the kind of life that folly will produce. By contrast, a life well lived shows up in radiant faces. Uh, Psalm 34, 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. A hard life filled with folly, however, will look very different. Uh, Often, not not always, but often, you, you can learn a lot about a person just by their countenance. Uh, Some of you remember Colonel. Uh, Colonel was a part of our church uh, down in our old building. I'm not sure that he was ever in our new building here, but um, Colonel looked like he lived a very hard 
life. In fact, when he died and I heard how old he was, I was really surprised because I thought he was actually much older than what he actually was. But the good thing about Colonel is that even though he lived some pretty hard years full of folly, and he talked about that, in the end, there were actually some good evidences that God had done a work of grace in his heart. And so we, we may know some things from the countenance of a person, but we won't know everything. What we can know with certainty is this, that those who keep sound wisdom and discretion will live a beautiful life. And as we continue with verse 23, one important, one important aspect of a beautiful life is a secure life. Uh, the path of wisdom leads to a secure life. Verse 23 says, Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. So if you are walking securely, you are living life with a sense of well-being or security. And by definition, this is resulting from having someone or something in, uh, in whom you have placed your confidence. Uh, verse 26 says, the Lord will be your confidence. Verse 32 says, the upright are in his confidence. Verse 23 says, your foot will not stumble. Verse 26 says, the Lord will keep your foot from being caught. Now, this reference here to stumbling is really something that is normally fatal. First uh, Peter 2 refers to Jesus as a living stone. Jesus is the cornerstone. And tragically, many of the Jews... Many of the Jews rejected this living stone or cornerstone to their demise. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8, So the honor is for you who believe, but those, for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word and they were, as they were destined to. To do. So if the Lord is your confidence, uh, verses 24 through 26 say this, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being caught. So this is the result of keeping sound wisdom and discretion. Uh, said another way, if you're learning from Jesus and following Jesus, fear will not keep you from sleeping. You will not be afraid of God's judgment and wrath. I, I can remember my sophomore year in college living in 217 Kenneman Hall as the Holy Spirit was beginning to really convict me of my sin and my unbelief. I I remember distinctly having a hard time going to sleep because I feared God's just wrath. I, I feared hell. But when God called me and when God saved me by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, he 
forgave my sin and gave me the promise of eternal life. My fear of death and judgment was washed away by the blood of Jesus. The, the guilt of my sin was gone. Romans 8.1 has become a promise that I now cling to by faith, which says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And added to that, following Jesus changes the character of our lives. And normally it's little by little. And when we're following Jesus, we're pursuing righteous living. We're learning to put off sinful ways and learning to put on righteous ways in their place. We are embracing wisdom. And as Daniel Aiken has said in this commentary, and I'll quote, you won't be afraid that you'll get caught or found out. You won't have to lie awake thinking to yourself, what if she reads that email What if he runs into that person? Who else knows about this? How can I make sure this never gets out? Walking in wisdom and avoiding the foolishness of sin will keep your conscience clear and your minds free from worry. And if you get wisdom, you will ultimately be safe because Yahweh is the one who watches over you all day long. God Almighty will be looking out for you, end of quote. That is a changed life, that is a changing life, that is a good life, that is a beautiful life, that is a secure life. But here in this text, Solomon also reminds his son of the things that threaten a secure life. The wise father tells his son not to do these certain things so that you can give yourself fully to this path of wisdom. Um, Each of these five prohibitions in verses 27 through 32 are given so that you will live your life loving God and loving others. In fact, all of the law can be summed up with those two commands, love God with your whole being and love others as much as you tend to love yourself. So first of all, if you are going to love God and love neighbor, don't be unloving. Uh, verse 27 28 say, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Now, if you think about this, this is really being mean spirited when it is within your good to do good. For it was within your means to do good for others, and, and you choose not to do that. And I want to suggest, I think, often that that is fueled by someone taking a personal offense. So if you have been offended by someone and you hold a grudge against them, you can develop bitterness in your heart for something offensive that has been done to you. Um, and that often will lead to you just developing a mean-spirited response when you withhold good, when it's within your power to actually do good for someone else. Uh, this is not the path of wisdom. It's, I think, helpful to remember. This text talks about a neighbor. It's helpful to remember the parable of the good sower where Jesus teaches us that our neighbor is not only the person that lives next to us, but 
anyone that God brings across your path who has a need. And if you see a need and you have the ability to meet that need, God wants you to meet that need for their good and for God's glory. So don't be unloving or unforgiving. Um, If we have experienced God's forgiveness in Christ, we know how to forgive. And we have the power to forgive. Even, even if someone else doesn't ask for forgiveness, if they've, ne- if they've offended you, they've sinned against you, and they never come to the point where they actually confess their sin and ask for forgiveness, Christ teaches us to be ready to forgive. Ready to forgive the moment that they confess sin and ask forgiveness. It is a sin to allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. Ephesians 4, 30-32 say, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Secondly, if you're going to love God and love others, love your neighbor, don't take part in planning evil. Um, Verse 29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Instead, spend, spend your time thinking about ways to do good for your neighbor, not evil. Um, Be trustworthy to your neighbor. Don't violate their trust by appearing to wish them good when in reality you wish them harm in your heart. Uh, What is important to God is not just what you appear to be to others, but what or who you actually are in your heart before God. So love for neighbor does not include planning evil against your neighbor. So if your neighbor has a need and you see that need, do something to help meet that need. Befriend him. Go get to know him. Develop a relationship with him. Help him. Um, Shelly and I are indeed very thankful for our neighbors. Um, God has given us some, some very good neighbors. I, I would have no problem giving my house key to any of my neighbors and saying, hey, we're going to be gone for two weeks. Come in and would you check it out, make sure a water pipe hasn't burst or something like that. I, I would trust my neighbors completely. I'm thankful for that. But I'm also aware that neighbors are often the source of great conflict. And maybe you can relate to that. Um, our son and his wife have a neighbor that has been very antagonistic toward them. They don't have many neighbors. They kind of live in the end of a a road and you can't even really see their house, but um, they're there and they make their presence known and they're antagonistic towards Josh and Annie. Um, In response, they have not planned evil against them. They don't wish harm against their neighbors they have instead worked hard to look for ways to just show 
the love of Jesus to them. Look for ways to return good for, for evil. So it's a reality. Living next to people doesn't always go well. Sometimes it can be very difficult. So don't plan evil against that antagonistic neighbor. Thirdly, if you're going to love God and neighbor, don't have unprovoked contention against your neighbor. Verse 30 says, do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. So don't, don't be the kind of person that wants to pick a fight. Don't be irritable. Be a peacemaker as God's representative here on earth. When you walk in wisdom, when you walk with the wise, you will recognize your responsibility to do good to your neighbor. So let doing good be the initiative that you take towards your neighbor, not contention. And don't envy. Um, More specifically, verse 31 says, do not envy a man of violence and do do not choose any of his ways for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Now, maybe when you first read this, you think, well, why should I want to envy a man of violence? Or why should I want to envy a devious or dishonest person? Um, Well, it's because sometimes those are the people that seem to get ahead in life. Sometimes it's the, per, the, the people who have, uh, it's these people who have no problem lying or stealing or mistreating others. They, and they seem to be the ones the most carefree and full of life. They, they have everything that they want, or at least that's how you are tempted to think about them. And sometimes, if not many times, the path of wisdom includes doing the right thing and not seeing immediate results. Uh, Often the path of wisdom includes perseverance and steadfastness and being committed to doing what is right in in God's eyes even when it appears to hurt you more than it does help. So maybe your blessing for walking on that path of wisdom, maybe your blessing will come in this lifetime, maybe your blessing will not come till glory. I would suggest that you go home and read Psalm 73, the entire psalm. It's a great psalm that articulates this struggle. Uh, The psalmist addresses this very problem of being envious of the wicked. Uh, Psalm 37 also speaks to this problem. I want to read verses 1 through 9 of Psalm 37. It says this, Fret not yourself because... Of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. 
Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. So the, the violent, the devious, the wicked, the wicked person, we learn they are an abomination to the Lord. They will in fact be cut off from the Lord, if not immediately, certainly in the judgment. And the upright are in his confidence. The upright are under his care. That's the best place to be. And we believe that by faith, even if we don't see immediate results. Uh, Proverbs 24, 19 and 20 say, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. And that brings us to our final three verses in this text this morning. And here we learn that the Lord promises blessing and favor and honor for those who walk in the path of wisdom. Verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace again there that may be that may be in this lifetime to some degree but it will full, be fully and completely realized in the lifetime to come but but notice the the sharp contrast in these verses the wicked are cursed by the lord the scorners or those who have contempt against god and against god's children the lord will have the Lord will be scornful towards them. And those who are fools, those who reject wisdom, will end in disgrace. But in contrast, the righteous will be blessed by the Lord, the humble will receive favor from the Lord, and the wise will inherit honor. So the path of wisdom leads to a beautiful life, a secure life, a blessed life, a life filled with favor, a life full of honor. And often we begin to experience that in this lifetime, but we will most definitely experience that fully in glory. So stay focused on wisdom and discretion. This life, this kind of life can be your life if you walk with the wise, if you walk with Jesus, if you learn from Jesus more than any other, and if you follow Jesus first and foremost in faith and obedience more than any other. Let's pray together. Father, as we walk through this text, we are reminded in fresh ways of all of the foolishness that we've participated in over the years of our life. We remember well, I remember well, the many years of just being a fool with no regard for you. But Father, I'm thankful for what you have done through Jesus to rescue me from my folly. Thank you for Jesus being to us wisdom from you. Thank you for the work that Jesus did on the cross to 
wash away the guilt of my folly, the guilt of my sin, and to restore me to a right relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for the wisdom that you teach us, the wisdom that you give to us as we learn from Jesus and as we follow Jesus. And Father, what a joy it is to think about the way in which you give to us a beautiful life, a secure life, a life that is blessed, a life that is full of your kindness in so many ways. It's undeserving. And yet you are generous, you're full of mercy and grace. And this morning we, we just are reminded of what you have done, the work that you have done through Jesus to, to rescue us from ourselves, and we thank you. And Father, I pray that you would help all of us, young and old alike, to just develop a, a heart, a desire in our heart to listen intently to Jesus, to listen to his voice, to listen to his teachings, to listen to his commands, to listen to what he reveals to us through the word. Help us to listen to him more than any other. May his voice have a place of preeminence in our lives and Father, I pray that you would also give to us as your people a desire to not just listen, but follow. Give us hearts that receive what you say, believe what you say, and obey what you say. And may we do that in faith. May we do that because we love you. And Father, we love you because you have first loved us. And so, Lord, you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise, and we just ask that you would, by your Spirit, produce that kind of heart in us in an ever-increasing way. We know that's what is for our good, for the good of this community, but it is also what is good for the glory of your name. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.